0: Hello, I'm Scott Sargent. I'm Evan Novi williams And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, we begin with a focus on Nike and some long-distance runners asking the International Association of Athletics Federations to investigate whether its Zoom Vaporfly shoe, you got to explain that to me, provides an unfair advantage during competitions.
1: All right, well, this is all getting a lot of publicity, of course, Barr, because Elliot Kipchoge, you know, the runner... Right. Took on the 26.2 mile closed course, did it in less than two hours. I mean, who would have ever thought, you know, first person ever do it? And now people are wondering, some in the running space, as to whether the design of the shoe, and it's got some carbon fiber plates in there and different levels, whether the design itself aids to a point where it should not be allowed in competition. Now, Evan of course runs 10,000 miles a week. <laughs> so he probably knows better than anybody else uh, this this space but People are definitely talking about the shoe.
2: Yeah, the shoe itself is called the Four Percent, and it's called that because Nike said that in studies it made runners four percent more efficient in their energy. Now right? think about and, that. And over and more twenty-six point two means yeah. you're faster, yeah. right? So, so Nike is selling the shoe commercially two hundred and fifty dollars if if you're a normal person and want to buy it. They're selling this shoe as a shoe that makes you faster, right? So, so Nike it's built into the marketing of the shoe that it is a better faster shoe than all the others. Um, and as Scott said, the 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 results are starting to come in. Elliot Kupchoge wore this shoe when he broke the, the two-hour barrier. The woman that set the marathon world record last week was right. wearing this. The last five men who have set the marathon world record on the, on, on the official, you know, the actual record, um, they've all been wearing this shoe. There are a number of records that are starting to fall because people are wearing these 4% shoes. Well,
0: what I don't understand is, okay, so they got the shoe. So what? if someone wants to go out and buy the shoe to help them in a marathon what's the big
2: deal well well here's what so the the IAAF which is the international governing body for track you know their bylaws Say that you know the shoes that people wear that are that that are allowed to be sanctioned for world records, et cetera. Uh, they have to be reasonably available to the public, and they also uh, quote they can't provide an unfair assistance or advantage. Right. So it certainly sounds as though there are some runners that aren't running in these shoes right now that are telling the IAAF this is the definition of an unfair. And, uh, and now we're getting clear advantage. evidence of that advantage. And, and the IAAF is going to need to. My guests make a ruling of some sort, and, and it it seems as though you know from people who know this industry very well. I think that the 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 fear maybe or, or or the thought is that the IAAF is going to come out and say, listen, everything is fine as long as there's no motor inside the shoe that's pushing your heel up as, as you go, and and if that is in in, in fact true, I think you're just going to see. Massive, massive technological leaps and a, and, a, and war between sneaker companies. The arms race, yeah. About who can create the, the, arms race the, the, on the best yeah. spring or lever, however you want to call it, the best shoe without having a motor in it to 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 push the humans going faster and faster. And but first,
1: think about what's at stake: the marketing ability of Nike can then can say, "Look at all these elite runners that are setting all these records. They're using our shoe, and by the way, here's this high price point product that we're trying to sell to Joe and Jill runner." You can see why it's imperative that the IAAF say, Yes, this is indeed a recognized legal shoe.
2: And obviously every every sport gets high-end, really expensive technological advances that help some people, right? If you look at even just the bikes in the Tour de France, for example, right? Not all those bikes are made equal. And some of the the, the racers in the Tour are using much more expensive components or wheels uh, or aero bars that, that others don't have, right? So there, there's an advantage to some people over others at the pro level and other sports. I think the big question here is... Athletics has kind of always built itself as something different, as kind of a purer form of uh, of sport. Um, and and if shoes become this kind of next, you know, technological front in the same way that the bike is, I think a lot of people are gonna are balking at that.
0: As long as you don't have the Acme Jet Electro shoes, I don't see what the problem is. We might I'm not sorry. be far yeah. from that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Honestly, my, we might not be.
0: Can
1: far I do from my that. Jetsons sound right now? <laughs> See, I like that. that's pretty good, right? That was pretty good. Thank you, thank you, Elroy. Uh, As <laughs> we head to the yes, world. Space <laughs>
0: oh, world Series. Oh, we're here now, talking baseball, but not the Nationals and Astros. We're talking, we're talking minor league baseball. Where MLB is looking to make Talking some major changes next year, according to reporting from Baseball America, the league is looking to eliminate more than forty te- more than forty
1: teams. Yeah, I'm sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> forty teams, <laughs> major Eliminate forty teams. How can you do that? Well, you tell them they're not being able to play anymore. I mean, Major League Baseball it controls minor league baseball, and a lot of them are independently owned. Yes. Uh... Apparently, the thinking from what we've heard is that Major League Baseball is trying to better not only the pay, and they've been sued about that, but the travel, all the conditions for the minor league players. And that could greatly affect how many teams there are, what the affiliations are, uh, who still has a team, who doesn't, who moves up, who gets eliminated. Um, the the operator of minor league baseball has already told, or the CEO has told all of its teams, do not sign any deals because our contract with MLB is up in 2020 and we just don't know what the system's going to look like.
2: Yeah, I mean I think I think the best way to think about this for for folks who may be a little confused cuz it's it's super complex is that Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball have a working agreement much in the same way that Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association do, right? So it's it's a financial agreement and also an agreement about how those two entities coexist together. That agreement expires in September of next year, September 2020, and Major League Baseball is in their negotiations, proposing some some pretty major changes, right? And as Scott said, some of those changes are, you know, requiring facilities get bumped up to, to, to a higher standard. Uh, I think there's some, some pay in there as well. And the general thought is that of the 160 minor league baseball teams that are affiliated with major league franchises, that of the 160, there's going to be 40 that, if these changes are enacted, are going to end up going by the wayside. And those teams... They won't necessarily stop playing baseball. Major League Baseball is proposing a few possible possibilities for them to stay working. Right, One of those is a Woodbat College League that looks like the Cape Cod League, for people who are familiar with it. Um, another one is, is what they're calling the Dream League, which is a league for undrafted prospects. So there may be a chance for those teams to stay around. But if you are pick a, a city, if you're the Des Moines Devils, and you lose your affiliation to the St. Louis Cardinals, for example, that has, a, that has a major effect on your business and actually could eventually lead to you going out of business entirely.
0: Yeah, but I mean, there are a lot of communities that are connected to minor league baseball teams. Absolutely. That would definitely impact
2: them. And minor league baseball had is going through We're an going attendance resurgence yeah, right. right now. And, and part of the argument, I believe, for major league baseball is that, you know, as a whole, Minor league baseball, and again, when we say minor league baseball, this is just the 160 teams that are affiliated with major league clubs, right? So it's not the independent league. Um, but, you know, baseball says that, that minor league baseball teams on the whole, there's a $100 million profit in there. So baseball is proposing some revenue sharing that, that may take place. Um, essentially, the, the, there are a lot of changes that are, that are going underway. And if they take place, a lot of these clubs, and, and as Scott said, you know, these are all independently owned. Right, And, and the, the players on the teams are paid out of the major league team's salary and payroll. But the minor league teams, which are independently owned, are responsible for things like facilities, locker rooms, having you know a, a good place to take people if they need medical attention. Remember when Michael like Jordan
1: that. played minor league baseball, he was a hero to his teammates because he bought him a comfortable bus.
0: Yeah, so, I remember yeah, that. Michael yeah.
1: Jordan bought the Barons a nice, comfortable bus. And it says something that Warren Buffett has never invested in big league sports, but he has invested in minor league baseball.
0: Well, don't touch the Toledo Mud Hens. Whatever. You never, <laughs> <Nah>. never. <laughs> Finally, the Chicago Cubs Regional Sports Network has inked a deal that will bring the team's games to Direct TV, UVerse, and the new AT and T TV when it launches next year.
1: It's distribution, right? You're launching a network. You need distribution, and this is the reason, uh, a big, big part of it, anyway why the Cubs partnered with Sinclair. You have that distribution heft. They go into negotiations with folks already with 200 um, stations out there, so you're going to get that, and then you have some some heft and some leverage, and you're starting to see that play out. They have a deal with Charter. Now you've got DirecTV. Unlike the Dodgers, still seeking full distribution in L.A., it's not an accident that Sinclair is also partnered with the New York Yankees and the Yes Network on the buyback. Uh, Sinclair... Buyer of the Fox RSNs, the 21 RSNs. Guess what? Those are included as well. You're going to spend those billions of dollars for those RSNs. You're going to want coverage. They have that distribution. This is about the power and the might that Sinclair brings to these negotiations, and you're starting to see the fruits. So
2: let's lay out exactly what that looks like in negotiation. Essentially, Sinclair, in talking to a cable provider, right? Let's just say Directv, for the sake of 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 the example, goes to Directv and says, "Listen, that would be a satellite provider. Sure." (laughs) Had to, had to. (laughs) They say, Directv. If you want any of our 200 local news networks, you also need to pay for this Cubs network or the other RSN. They're essentially packaging it all as one, and their local networks are so valuable that you know sports essentially get included in the value of that. So that. That's essentially how this works, right?
1: Yes. Um, I, I mean, you just have, it's all about leverage in negotiations, and Sinclair brings leverage because they have a lot of channels, a lot of programming that, that people want. And that includes, by the way, things they already have, like the tennis channel. So that's included right. as part of the deal as well. Um, and I'm sure the Yankees are going to count on that heft when it comes time to negotiate new new deals for this reworked, reimagined new Yes Network, whatever it may look like. The, it's not an accident that the, the partners, again, it, you can't just bring money. And when when people were looking at that RSN sale, the Fox RSN sale, what, what people kept saying with the private equity bidders was it's not going to go there unless they have what's called a strategic partner. Where are the strategics in this? And Because they're going to need distribution. They need that help. So it was always like, well, where is Sinclair in this mix? Because there's your valuable strategic. Not a surprise at the end. They wound up with the RSAs, and
2: Sinclair paid nine point six billion yeah. for for those those twenty RSAs, which,
1: which were originally valued at like twenty way, billion. Yes, yeah, so yeah, and 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 we know. You know it, the CEO of Sinclair, Chris Ripley, is telling us they're on the on the lookout for more stuff.
2: Yeah, and, and to that point, you know we reported a couple months ago, AT&T's handful of RSNs are are apparently on the market right now. There are other options here for Sinclair if they want to expand uh, their RSN world. And you know, as we're saying, you know, it it, it may be more valuable to, to Sinclair than anyone else because they have the ability to get these distribution deals.
1: Still going to be odd, no WGN.
0: Uh, the yes, hiccups. yes, I, that's well, that's old school me. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is the blue. No, business of sports podcast i'm michael Barr, along with scott Sashnick
1: and Evan Novi williams we're here each and every monday wednesday and thursday exploring the world of money and sports
2: join us again at the end of the week we're speaking with sal galatioto the namesake of galatioto speaking sports of baseball Partners.
1: baseball investment fund you're listening to the
0: Bloomberg Business Mickey of Sports. Mickey and
1: the Duke. Hey, uh, new- Say, <laughs> say, say I
0: was, was going to say Bloomberg Radio Around the World uh, Online. Wherever you get your broadcast, go sing it now Play us out. I'll be going out, one coming in. Kiner and Mitch at Goodell. The Thumper and Mel Parnell. And Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking baseball. Klazowski, Campanella.
2: The Scooter, the Barber, and the Duke They know them all from Boston to Dubuque Especially with Mickey and the Duke